week in the SEC title game, Florida adds the number two team a 10-point favorite. Yeah, they're going to kill what? Alabama. Alabama's terrible. Look yeah. at their schedule. They haven't played anyone. I mean, they're in the SEC, though. Ah, Georgia and Clemson. They, they have to play something. Yeah, they're, they're in Clemson. the SEC that's <laughs> down this year. It's the first time in a while SEC's been down. Yeah, but a down SEC will handily murder a good Big Ten. Oh, I disagree 100%. All right, well, we saw Florida right, we handily run. take care we of Ohio run. State. How about Tennessee with Lane Kiffin? Oh, boy. We got to go. <laughs> <laughs> good job, Irushi, Andrew, Jeremy, Bill, and Matt. I'm Rob. Don't forget, Michigan Michigan State Hockey is part of our Game of the Week coverage Friday night. Our coverage begins at 7. Hockey game at 7.30 in the Michigan Duke basketball for the second time in 15 days Saturday at 3.30 on the sports stream from Chrysler. Until then, from Ann Arbor, good night. 3.7 left. 16 fouls. Ray Bailey passing it in. Gets it in. Stolen by Novak. Back the other way. Novak. One. Throws it. Then he misses. Oh. Stuck at the buzzer. Novak. Oh. Novak. Can you believe that? Has a duck at the buzzer and misses it. And we are going to overtime. Oh, my God. Grady back to Novak. Novak looking down low, can't get, find anyone. Now over to Grady, back to Harris. Harris will try to be his man off the dribble. He will bring it inside. Foul, oh. and one. Taylor for Manny Harris. And the Wolverines back up by one, and Harris will go to the line, try and make it a three-point play on his 21st point of the night with 38.6 left and overtime. And on the shot clock, Schuler with it. He's going to dribble it. Michigan in a man-on-man. Novak on Schuler. He'll rise up, and he'll hit the shot from the free throw line. 5.9 left on the clock. What a tough 64, shot. 64-64. Harris dribbling it past half court. He will throw it out to Sims. 4-3 at the buzzer. He's out The Sims. Sims with the three at the buzzer. And foot on the line, but counted. It is a two. Michigan wins 66-64. And the Michigan bench swarms to Sean Sims. But the Savannah State Tigers gave them all that they could handle. And, oh, if not for Deshaun Sims today, Michigan would have lost this game. Oh, man, I, I, I'm ecstatic. What can I say? Analyzing the past weekend's epic sports moments, Extra Points is next. And we will have a fourth down. The Wolverine defense can clinch this game for the maize and blue, and the big house will erupt. Dowdell will set up his wide receivers. He's got three of them. All three will come to the near sideline. Dowdell in the shotgun, takes the snap, rolls to his left. The pursuit is coming. He has to stop, throws to the end zone, and it's tipped away. The Wolverines have defeated the Spartans in a third overtime. Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. And just sliding into my chair, Jim Dwyer. Yeah, it's just that nuisance snow that we get so much of in Ann Arbor in the winter. Just makes those sidewalks slippery, and the road's a little treacherous, so slow down. Well, slow down. That's a a perfect segue into it's officially a recession. Finally, the National Bureau of Economic Research, wanted to get that correct, declared today that we've been in a recession since 2007, December of 2007. Uh, Had a huge uh, 
Many crashed today on the stock market following a bizarre rally last week. And uh, Obama, I guess, names his foreign policy team. Um, Susan Rice, by the way, I think is an outstanding choice. And we'll have more excitement this week. Down in Congress, as uh, the big three, the big three auto companies, uh, try and get some bridge loans uh, following the revelation that Wall Street has gotten $1.4 trillion over the last several months in bailout money with virtually no strings attached. And we'll just give out some quick brain damage awards. Plexico Burris went to Michigan State, so we'll rub it in a little bit. What are you doing, dude, taking a gun to a nightclub in Manhattan for? Think about a career-ending decision. <laughs> um, he gets a brain damage award. And uh, how about the stampede on uh, Black Friday? Well, you know, stuff like this happens every couple of years. It's just mind-boggling yeah. that... Not that that happens. That actually is fairly expected, I think, when you get large crowds that are edgy and anticipatory, you know, excitement. Um, this is why events like concerts and sporting events, there's a flow of you moving people in. And you get a line like this. But what kind of, you know, joyless existence compels you to get out of bed at 3 in the morning or spend all night? 11 o'clock. And some people are... Uh, Camped you know, out for a day. The night after, uh, <laughs> maybe you've had a nice Thanksgiving meal, and you're going to go sit in a folding chair and a couple of blankets outside of a Best Buy. To get what? How could it possibly be any cheaper that day than it will be three weeks from now when they still desperately need the cash flow? Right. It's amazing. And, of course, we had a shooting somewhere in California. What's now? Hey, Ben, that's my toaster. Mm, yeah, the Toys R Us shooting, I think. Uh, I mean, uh, was it over Elmo? Sad. Maybe it was over a Bush Cupid doll. <laughs> I've got my big pins over here. Well, speaking of brain da brain damage awards, the uh, recent uh, documents are suggesting that the Bush administration was warned in 2006 about the fiscal. Uh, state of affairs and uh, delayed as long as up to a year to enforce any regulation oversight on the financial community. Yeah. And so it's not like the writing wasn't on the wall there, too. Mm, yeah, and this, this mess is uh, never-ending. It's difficult to know exactly how it will end or when it will end. Uh, Harper's Index, of course, has some interesting statistics about this. Just read a couple of these. Percentage by which the $750 billion bailout exceeds the total U.S. GDP a century ago, adjusted for inflation, 50. Percentage by which it exceeds the cost of the entire New Deal, 33. Factor by which it exceeds the cost of the 1990 savings and loan bailout, 3. Minimum number of properties that the U.S. government was forced to buy as part of the SNL bailout, 43,640. Ratio of U.S. Bank, uh, banks paid into the FDIC last year to choose that, uh, that they received an ATM fees, one-to-one. -one. Percentage of Americans who say they live paycheck to paycheck, 47. 
percentage of those making over 100000 per year who say this? 21. Um, this, of course, is based on the advertised bailout figure of $750 billion. And we now know that it's much higher. Well, of course, the uh, media will have the rest of the week to unfold the shopping uh, barometer that is today i guess they're called some, some sort of everybody goes back to work and orders products online oh the internet the uh, phenomenon internet monday or whatever it's being called by the media of course it turns out that uh, more than 10 percent of the internet sites visited are still porn <laughs> well pornography for the christmas season i'm sure is available on the internet yes. <laughs> do a google search and have and help you yes uh, on a more serious note, uh, in addition to, or alongside, or in the background of, or gently removed, as these uh, episodes of violence are sometimes spun to be, uh, an incredibly violent weekend throughout the Middle East. Suicide bomber in Afghanistan, killing 10 in Kabul. Trio of bombings kill dozens in Iraq. In uh, Pakistan, NATO trucks are attacked, and of course, the big attack in Mumbai, uh, India, formerly Bombay. Um, still lots of question marks about that. Indeed. But uh, interesting to note that uh, in the atmosphere, you know, after these attacks, uh, which we could characterize as being rife. In speculation, there's no real clear indicator uh, as of yet um, as to what the agenda is, a uh, particular agenda of the bombers in Bombay. Um, even amongst writers on the left, there's disagreement. Patrick mm -hmm. Coburn, uh, who is a journalist of note who's been in Baghdad pretty much constantly for the last 13 years, and uh, his piece on the Counterpunch uh, site suggests that... Um, well, the uh, Iraqi uh, rebel movement against the U.S. occupation was essentially homegrown, uh, but they had many friends. The anti-American guerrillas found they had many friends. And uh, Tariq Ali suggesting that the uh, attack is probably from an internal Indian group. Uh, Patrick Coburn, of course, suggesting that this could likely be a Pakistani group. Um, the Pakistani... Intelligence services, of course, has been heavily involved in destabilizing the Kashmir region. Um, and just last week, the Pakistan government, under Asif Ali Zadari, uh, widow, widower uh, rather of Benazir Bhutto, uh, made attempts to dismantle aspects of the ISI. Uh, and then a couple days later, this happens. Mm -hmm. So a lot of weirdly uh, connected possibilities here none of it's certain none of it's certain and i think that i think that it's very interesting to contrast uh, the indian approach to these because there have been dozens of terrorist attacks in india over the last several months really uh this is just the most spectacular and certainly the most symbolic i mean it's mm -hmm. got a kind of i hate to say this but it, it's got the the hallmarks of an al-qaeda event because it's media oriented it got spectacular coverage, and of course the um, you know the concept. And I, I speculated about this long ago. Why would 
al-Qaeda bother uh, with spectacular, sophisticated, you know, airplane attacks when they could go into uh, a variety of malls in America and wreak this kind of havoc. Just buying guns at Walmart, probably with fake IDs and uh, virtually no waiting period and very scant background checks, uh, particularly in the southern states. Um, So who knows? Um, I tend to go with the concept that it's probably some sort of um, renegade Pakistani group that is connected to the Kashmir problem. But what is striking to me is the difference of the government of India's approach versus how America responded to 9-11. Because, of course, this is now being called India's 9-11. I thought Bhopal was India's (laughs) 9-11. Yeah. (laughs) And that, of course, um, was an event by an American corporation that is still wreaking havoc in the region. thousands have died. Environmental. It's just uh, the birth defects alone are... One of those statistics that the American media doesn't like to talk about. And ironically, uh, to give you an idea of how perverted American capitalism, I recall in 1984, the year of Bhopal, Union Carbide was one of the two Dow stocks that was up for the year. They were taken over in a buyout. The other one was McDonald's. (laughs) And uh, needless to say, Reagan was reelected in a landslide based on Walter Mondale's uh, gaffe in the one debate where he promised to raise taxes. Uh, we've seen how well Reaganomics has worked since. But, uh, as well as Reagan's policies in the uh, Middle East. Yeah, and there there is this bizarre, you know, uh, America has clearly dating back to the famous 1971 tilt to Pakistan by Tricky Dick. And we mention him because, by the way, I hear a uh, Richard Nixon movie is about to debut this weekend based on the Frost uh, interviews. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, directed by Opie, Ryan Howard. Uh, that clean cut, <laughs> perfect. He's a fine fellow. Fine Ron fellow. Howard. You know, happy days and what was it... Uh, Mayberry, uh, what's uh, Andy, Andy Griffiths? Griffiths. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, real American. America's all American boy. Entertainment, and uh, I'm kind of looking forward to that because uh, Frank Langella, who apparently played Nixon on in, on Broadway, this is basically a film version of the Broadway plays, is a really underrated actor, and he apparently plays the one and only Tricky Dick. But anyway, getting back to the tilt to Pakistan, in recent years, of course, there's been a slight tilt to India uh, under the Clinton administration. that's when it began. Clearly uh, discarded the uh, pro-Pakistani policies that both uh, Nixon and Reagan pursued in particular. Um, Pakistan, of course, was the conduit for America's... Uh, Tragic and uh, now irresponsible involvement in the Afghan civil war that uh, still continues. I mean, literally a million people have died in Afghanistan uh, these many years since we first got involved. And to be historically accurate, uh, it was Zbigniew Brzezinski that 
got America involved in Afghanistan. And incidentally, the facts show that America was involved before the Soviets ever invaded. But that's a long, complicated historical story. And surely, um, Zbigniew Brzezinski as a, a Polish uh, refugee that fled uh, communism with very hardline anti-Soviet views pr probably had some mixed motives in... Uh, Psychological baggage. Psychological baggage related to the uh, involvement of, of supporting these mujahideen in, in uh, Afghanistan in July of 1979. But it's this recent, for instance, uh, policy by the Bush administration relating to the nuclear uh, business right, involving India that's uh, very troubling. And one can see also that this may be uh, a classic covert operation by unknown forces. This could be a sabotage for the Obama administration. Let's remember that within days of Clinton being inaugurated in 1993, we had the World Trade Center bombing uh, in New York City, um, allegedly masterminded by Ramzi Youssef and his uncle, college Sheikh Mohammed, who supposedly went to bin Laden at one point and came up with the broad outline for the so-called 9-11 plot. But within days of the uh, uh, World Trade Center bombing in February of, uh, or within weeks of when Clinton was actually inaugurated, within days, and I mean like two or three days, uh, it seems that former Bush officials in Waco, Texas, mm -hmm. attacked the Branch Davidian complex that created that whole crisis. So one begins to wonder after a month long standoff about this operation, you know, the the, the lifeboats, the speed, the speed inflatable rafts, you know, supposedly came by boat. Well, actually, you know, and it's all yeah, very speculative. Uh, according to Tariq Ali's article, The Assault on Mumbai, uh, he quotes a senior Indian naval official who's claimed that the attackers who arrived in a ship, the MV Alpha, were linked to Somali pirates. Oh, of course. that this was a revenge attack for the Indian Navy's success, successful, if bloody, action against pirates in the Arabian Gulf that led to heavy casualties some weeks ago. Some Somalian pirates that are in their teens apparently <laughs> pulled a switch to, to activate Pakistani terrorists that are aggrieved about Kashmir. <laughs> strikes me as rather bizarre. But yeah, the, the Somalian pirates uh, story is strange in and of itself. Yeah, well, re regardless of and whether or not this eventually does get, you know, traced back to the uh, Pakistani group that's associated with the disturbances in Kashmir, the Lashkar-e-Taiba, um, whether or not it's connected to them. It's just another example of the extension outward of ripples of instability mm -hmm. throughout the region that just, they go ever broader. And of course, Somalia was one of those seminal areas of the world that the Reagan administration decided that it had stakes in uh, during the Cold War in the 1980s. Oh, a number of proxy wars in yeah. Africa during the Reagan years, yeah. Crazy stuff. Uh, and of course, the pirate thing has an amusing quality to it in my book not not well, I think so not, too I think there's an element of distraction involved in the sort of hyping of the pirate story I mean there's an article from last week west vexed by who is greater enemy islamist or pirates it's like 
you know, <laughs> the regression into some sort of childlike Disney fear where, oh, no, it's pirates or is it monsters? And where on earth is Long John Silver when you need him with his peg leg? And, of course, I bring the, the humorousness of the pirate story up because... America or the world has this weird thing that's called Talk Like a Pirate Day. Oh, yeah. And it's it's sometime in September, but I remembered the thing that I found amusing about it this year was that Talk Like a Pirate Day coincided with the day that the Paulson plan initially came out. So I decided that it wasn't... Are this be pirate terms indeed? It wasn't Talk Like a Pirate Day. It was Act Like a Pirate Day. And the piracy continues here and there. Some of the pirates, by the way, who have been interviewed on BBC, uh, have indicated that they have uh, turned to piracy because they can't catch any fish. <laughs> overfishing in the region. Indeed. Uh, well, and, and worldwide, overfishing is becoming a serious problem. And uh, one of the ways in which you know countries like our own, which are so rich in many other resources and so heavily concentrated on beef cultivation, which is really consumptive of a, a lot of... Uh, Resources, including fuel and water, especially fuel and water, <clears throat> um, we don't need to eat as much fish as we do here in America. There are parts of the world where fish represents a serious and considerable percentage of their total mm -hmm. opportunities for protein intake. And so uh, Americans, generally speaking, should probably consume way less fish. Well, particularly fish that are <clears throat> rich in mercury. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, another legacy of the Great Lake region here. Well, to go into, uh, you want to eat some fish, but not too much. I think that's been proven over and over, but even by the uh, FDA, that particularly pregnant women need to be very careful about fish consum consumption. But, of course, in America, what we fret about regarding fish is, can we get that sushi? You know, um, but uh, getting back to the contrast between India's, shall we say, slowness and their caution, they're, they're, they have been unwilling to play the revenge card right off the bat, uh, unlike America. Uh, by this time, if you equate the 9-11 event with this uh, Mumbai attack in term of, terms of timing, Bush had already decided um, that he was going to go to war in Afghanistan. He'd already had that magic meeting at Camp David, uh, in which, interestingly, Wolfowitz and uh, Rumsfeld openly discussed attacking Iraq. <laughs> well, uh, of course, the... presaged, of course, the, the future of that boondoggle. The plan for the new American century, of course, presupposed some catastrophic context in which, uh, you know, a new presence in the region and an attack on Iraq specifically could be foisted upon in the world. And while it seems there are quite a number of Clintonites and Clintonistas, whatever you want to call them, uh, percolating into the Obama cabinet, some of these I regard with a little more concern than others. I, Susan Rice, by the way, I think is an outstandingly qualified person to uh, head the U.N. Hillary Clinton... That's kind of a mixed... Yeah, I'm going to agree with the cartoonist Oliphant on this one, who in the little corner, his little guy says, mistake one. <laughs> mistake one. Not, not pleased with this appointment at all. Yeah, well, on the positive side, because I... I'm not sure what there is positive about it. Well, so I have mixed feelings about Hillary Clinton, about but, but on the positive side, first of all, she does... 
She understands policy. She's very good at communicating. Um, she understands the issues. We're not talking here about a sort of Cordell Hull sort of Secretary of State. Uh, I mention him only because I've always been fascinated with FDR's foreign policy. Hmm. And FDR picked Cordell Hull specifically because he pretty much, his marching orders were, you're to deal with Congress. You know, you're to go up there and testify to Congress, but I run foreign policy. Interesting. So you're a figurehead. Yeah. Uh, very clear from the beginning. And one does wonder um, if Hillary Clinton is a celebrity Secretary of State a la Kissinger, sort of a mm. globetrotter extraordinaire uh, with her entourage and uh, even Bill Clinton somewhere in the back seat, possibly doing some driving. Who knows? But it is puzzling um, and odd that she would be selected as Secretary of State. Um, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. We'll see how it works. I, th I think, for instance, she's much... Well, she's a big step up from where we've been. Yeah, she's, she's much better than Condoleezza Rice. Uh, yeah, without even having begun, uh, that can be said. A paper pusher extraordinaire. And I think that... A chin wiper. You know, that... Yeah, right. <laughs> Here's the bucket. Duh. I mean, she really, her first appearance on the Bush cabinet was as a sort of a helpful teacher, tutor, friend. Right. A briefer on yeah. basically, under, you know, going over the map, the basic geography of the world. Um, you mean this, this green country here? No, the pink one. Maybe Palin as a future as a briefer. <laughs> My goodness. Um well, the the concern I have with the Hillary Clinton appointment as Secretary of State is kind of twofold. Mm -hmm. One, I'm not really sure how effective she'll be, uh, and who knows? I, I too will give her the the benefit of the doubt. But um, she was so hawkish on the campaign trail uh, that sometimes she seemed to the right of John McCain. And it's hard on the one, you know, is this just campaign rhetoric? Yeah, it's campaign um, rhetoric. But these sort of things are uh, are not pleasant to uh, to deal with and chew over in recollection. Well, I think Bill Clinton would have been a much better pick because, you know, it's it's interesting that John Quincy Adams actually, after, oh, indeed, yeah. after he um, left the presidency, became Secretary of State. And some historians claim he was one of the best secretaries of state we've had. Yeah, I, I think, think that Cl Bill Clinton does, or Hillary, Spillery, whatever. She's She's got some assets. She is a, a fundamentally a competent person. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that she's going to handle the the details, you know, the get, getting getting the right people in undersecretary positions. And sometimes they're actually even more important uh, regarding the actual policy. And I, I do think that there is uh, something to be said for the rock star issue, you know, the celebrity thing, because America has extraordinary uh, repair work ahead of it oh, yeah. diplomatically. I mean, we're, we're cleaning up. We're not even popular in Britain. <laughs> this is really, there's mop-up work. Is There is mop-up work. I mean, you know, <laughs> Garrett Morris comes to mind <laughs> with Three Mile Island. Gigantic Jimmy Carter. Colossal presidency. Um, so I, there is something about Hillary Clinton that I think she might actually do 
a pretty good job. Yeah. I, I, I've also, the other aspect of my concern or hesitation is that I think she would have been uh, very effective as a sort of a leading Democratic senator. Yeah. Uh, pushing issues that she's, you know, been very concerned and involved with. Healthcare is just waiting in the wings. That was what I was going to get to next. I think that the other reason they may have given her this job, this to keep her away from the healthcare, to keep her away from the healthcare debate, <laughs> because the baggage associated with that would have been perhaps problematic. And this gives yeah, her a kind of a, I don't know, a parameter outside the healthcare debate that that could work for Obama. So I, I you know, I'm, I'm going to keep an open mind about uh, her. Uh, as Secretary of State, I guess we'll see how the devil and the details work out. Um, but um, it doesn't seem so far that Obama is really rocking the boat much. No. This is a sort of, he's in the center, and he hasn't really gone too much past right or left of the two yellow lines even. <laughs> it's 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 frightening. Now, I can understand this. Uh, in the area of the economic uh, realm, um, perhaps the more radical thinkers that are really going to bring the change are going to be at some of these other uh, departments. Well, you know, Bill Clinton did bring the center of the country to the right. And um, this is where Obama is essentially operating from. The the votes for him were for all sorts of uh, reasons. And uh Hey, it's the best bet going um, for sure. But uh, when I saw David Bonnier and his uh, group of advisors there, I thought, oh, okay, well, he's somebody who was considered a dangerous radical leftist by the Republicans. And he's a good, you know, working class uh, left of center for sure uh, figure in, in Michigan politics. And I hope we get some guys like that. Yeah. He might be a too. Department of Labor kind of guy. I mean, we're keeping Gates. So we should have some... Which is another problematic thing. I mean, I understand the, the logic of keeping Gates, but um, Gates should only be there for a very brief time because we've talked about this repeatedly. Obama cannot get anything going on the economy substantively unless there are some serious reorganizing the Pentagon. Right. You know, the ir That's irony... That's the easiest place to start. The irony is the best guy for the job to do that is actually Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> as incompetent as Rumsfeld was in so many ways, if you actually look at Rumsfeld's concept of trans transformation before 9-11, hmm. Rumsfeld actually had some substantively good ideas, and I'm actually going to be somewhat intrigued to read his memoirs because I think Rumsfeld at a sort of personal level, feels like he was hung out to dry. He was made the scapegoat for the real problems uh, that went wrong with the Iraq war. He wanted to get out, actually, you know, the, the details show. That's true. But there was something in the White House, i.e. Condoleezza Rice, Karl Rove, that wouldn't allow this. And when you look at this sort of massive, I call, you know, the reform area that Obama's going to have to work on in terms of the economic... Uh, agenda, housing, jobs, energy, and health care, that's sort of circumscribed by this massive debt problem and credit crisis, so to speak, you know, he, he's going to really need to, to look at the Pentagon to get this money out of the Pentagon into renewable energy, 
into sustainable economic development into some kind of old-fashioned Keynesian economics, New Deal economics. You know, some people need quick jobs, get some unskilled people out there filling potholes, cleaning up parks, bulldozing slum areas, whatever, urban renewal. It needs to happen right off the bat. Yeah. Right off the bat. Anyway, you are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Uh, It's a little after 